0: it up for Ohio State. You've waited all day for this. Nuts, he away. He's going to take it to the house. 85 yards. Down the right side going Devin Smith. Got it at the five and into the end zone. Touchdown. The one show that's nothing but the Buckeyes. Oh, grab oh. rocker for the touchdown. Kraft shoots it high on the right for three. This is the Buckeye show.
1: Yes, it is. Happy Wednesday, everybody. We made it to the middle of the week. Almost home. Heading for the weekend right now. Timmy Hall with you. Six o'clock means Buckeye talk. We're gonna have some fun today. We got to keep going on with our all Urban Meyer team. We will be hitting our starting eleven on defense on tonight's show. So do not go anywhere. Stay tuned for that. We will start it up at the end of the six o'clock hour and then into the seven o'clock hour as well. We'll we'll finish it up after the college football pulse and at seven nineteen we'll get to find out if our uh, special guest host Joshua Perry. Will pick himself and put himself on the all Urban Meyer linebacker unit. So you'll have to you'll have to find out. There he is, our guy hosting tonight, Joshua Perry, everyone.
2: So I, I feel like I've asked you this question before, but I got to go back over this. So if I'm co-hosting with you for a full week, I get the round of applause every day for a full
3: week.
1: I don't know if I'm ever gonna go away with the round of applause. I think the uh, the higher ups, the brass, would have to decide on a permanent co-host for the Buckeyes show, to rescind that. That's interesting. Don't you
2: think? I just—I think it's, it's a little bit excessive. I, well, I, I feel like the people are starting to grow a little bit tired of me. Like, they don't want to no, clap oh, anymore. They oh, just want to get stop, into the talk.
1: Stop, stop. You know, for one, I thought you were going to say people have grown tired of the applause, and that was going to offend me right there. No, 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 And no, then no, you offended the applause, yourself. It's, it's me. No, Self-deprecation come on. is what we do. Yeah, we do that. Yes, that's big. I, and I do encourage that, but I'm here to... Remember how we were buttering each other up so much yeah, a couple weeks ago? I know. I feel and like now, I'm going to go back to that now because I'm, you just talk down opposite. on yourself.
2: Well, but it's this is what I'm saying, though, is I feel like the people, they don't want to clap. They don't want to throw the flowers anymore. They just want to get down to the talk.
1: Yeah, I know. I know. Well, that's what we're going to do, though. And it, I promise it's going to be a fun one, but I also promise... Until there's a permanent co-host, the applause needs to be a thing on this show. I feel like that's a staple of the Buckeye show now. It probably is. Every time you tune in and it's 601, you hear a round of applause. So, I guess so. and you never know Unless we're doing something like with you, where it's every single day this week, you might not know who you're going to get. It could be our man Eric Reeser. I think you're going to hear a little bit more Evil Bald Colin coming Ooh, up. And see, I've been, I like him. I've been loving talking with Evil Bald Colin. There's nothing. There's I think nothing he's
2: better than me at radio, honestly.
1: I, well, I tell you, he's. You could tell he's been learning, yeah. and I love. I love to see it. I really do. There's nothing that brings me more joy. Then when I see one of our guys, like we got our guy Hayden back there, everybody that does this right wants to come in, do the job, run board, produce shows so they can one day get a chance to crack open the microphone. For sure. And when guys climb that ladder and put in the work, and I will tell you behind the scenes, nobody, nobody puts in more work and has learned more things about the trade than that dude evil bald Colin.
2: Well that's why he has no hair. You know Exactly he's, he he's lost it all. so hard. He was too stressed out he lost it all. That's it. That he went bald. Um I think there was a show that you did with Tim May where he had some trouble connecting and I don't know if he got the round of applause. <laughs> I think you know what? Maybe did he miss
1: did we miss the applause? I can I easily think so, find out.
2: It was it was like it was like 603 and he finally got connected oh, up and so i think he just
1: skipped it you're being generous it was more like 605 606 okay, right. I'm, I'm when he finally got connected but you could easily go back and we have we have uh, pretty good descriptions of each episode when you go check out our podcast wherever Absolutely. wherever you download those things i will tell you real quick to promote one of the other podcasts we do we've got some great ones in the fan family and myself and evil bald colin we've gotten a bit of a rapport because we've cranked out 49 episodes of mad about hoops and it's a college basketball centric podcast if you don't know by now give us a follow on twitter at mad about hoops you can also download that puppy anywhere you get him we had a pretty big production today man we went into uh, a little summer mode and i do actually want to talk about this one movie that's coming out because we're probably going to put this next on the lit on the list so we called it the uh a mad about hoops legal screening of Hoosiers. We went into movie mode. Never seen it. And we, okay, well, that's fine. That's fine. You can give it a watch because Evil Bald Colin, big basketball guy that he is, he had never seen Hoosiers. And I'm almost just, I'm almost done giving him grief for not seeing movies because it just keeps coming up again and again and again. You just throw your hands up and assume if it's a famous movie from the 80s or late 70s, early 90s, maybe he hasn't seen it yet. But everybody else seemed to be around space jam and with that one coming out on friday i feel the original space jam is going to be up in the hopper but i know it's on hulu yeah it's it's on hulu right now so we can do space jam but i know there's a ton of hoosiers fans out there i talked to them on social media so be looking out for that we actually had our nerd association podcast guys join us they're really into the movies and getting knee deep into the actors and actresses and In uh, screenplays and plots and all things like that. So we had sort of some official movie insight on it. Me being just a gung-ho fan of it. Loving the film. It was a lot of fun. And I I wanted to bring you in on this before we got going. Because we talked about this in the last segment. I don't know if you heard. I was talking to my dad today through the podcast. And it got me thinking of how I never was able to beat my dad in basketball. Mm Mm-hmm. You know, one-on-one out in the driveway. You know, like a lot of kids had the had the hoop out in the driveway growing up. And from the time that I was, you know, good enough to dribble the ball, make shots, and, you know, maybe size-wise, so we're talking maybe like early teens, right? T- 13 years old, whatever. He never let me win. He never let me win, and I contend that by the time I could have beaten him, It wouldn't have been a fair fight because his knees were gone and he wasn't the athlete that he was. But I always respected my dad for that and it didn't like ruin me or or crush my future. And I think there's a lesson to be had there. And maybe that's not how everybody goes around, goes about it, but I didn't need to win. And as we were just talking there, I'm sure he would have wanted me to. And I think we both would have been proud had I ever won officially. I mean, we had some, a, a lot of one-point games. I think there were probably 50 times where I got to the, the last point where it's 10-10, right? If you're playing to 11. Mm-hmm. Never could actually get it. I'm just wondering about how, how that went with you and your father when you were growing up, whatever you were playing in the yard.
2: Okay, so um, just as an overarching philosophy, I believe in never letting the kids win anything. And my wife has two sisters that are seven and four. And even if we're playing like board games, I won't let them win. It, it, you you cannot give them a victory because they learn nothing. You learn more through defeat than you do through winning. And so I don't want them to have a false sense of confidence about where their skill level is. I don't want them to go through life coasting thinking that they can win at everything because they can't. And so I got to deliver some L's to them so I can give them learning lessons. L isn't just for loss. It's for learning as well. My dad... True is 39 years older than I am, meaning that when I was born, he is 39 years old. So we, we hooped it up and everything. Uh, my dad retired from playing me in hoops before I got to the point where I could beat him. There you go. And so I never, I never beat my dad either, and it was, it was really smart for him. He was getting to a certain point where he was like, I don't have to do this anymore, but he never let the young Joshua beat him. And I respect him for that because that's the same thing I'm going to do when I have kids. Yeah,
1: that's interesting. And I don't know how it went for your dad, but what I'm not doing in my middle years, and I almost wish I I have or have done it a little bit more, but with the show shift here, it prevents me. And I think it's kept me in a little bit better health with my lower body. My dad's knee, I mean, he had like knee replacements on both, right? He might have even had a multiple. Like I'm, that's how bad it was. Like I'm losing track. He had a ruptured Achilles. Mm. He just crushed it with mm. like the weekend warrior, and really the weekday mm. warrior stuff. I'm talking softball leagues all the sure. time. I can sure. remember having to tag along as a kid, right? Because when you're not going to get a babysitter, you're going to just bring your kid out to the the six thirty. You know, first pitch in a softball league game, right? But he was doing men's league basketball and softball his entire life. I mean, year round from probably 27 to 37, you know, which is what I am now. And I haven't done any of that. So by the time, yeah, I was like young in high school or even into my college years, he was done. He was mm-hmm. done. And it wouldn't have meant anything to me to beat him. But I, I like what you said back there. I have respect for that. The only difference for me is if we're talking board games and a kid is like really, really little, I might give a little something there. Nope. But the, the point of the matter is, by the time I was old enough to even be able to win, that there was no letting it happen. So, you, had to, you had to go and
2: earn it. Here's the story on that: is Actually, fairly recently, uh, we were, my wife's family was over at my parents' house, and so the little girls were there with us, and my mom had this little game on her iPad. It was like a little piano thing, and we were trying to see who could get the highest score. And... Evelyn who's a 7-year-old went and yeah. she had her little like she beat her best score. And so I go and I show her how it's really done. <laughs> and she gets this look on her face and like kind of gets these little tears in her eyes and she's like, "You know Joshua, sometimes you're just supposed to let kids win." And I looked her right in the face and said, "No, I'm not." And so I I don't feel like even when they're little, you got to give them that little boost. They don't need it, they don't deserve it. They're going to appreciate the fact that they took that L so then they can learn how to really become a champion.
1: I, and I will tell you, like just being a dad it's, some, it's a hurdle, right? It's a hurdle, and it takes many, many, many reps to, for them to just simply learn it's not the biggest deal in the world, mm-hmm. you know? Losing is fine. It, it's, it is fine. It is a part of life. Everybody, as you say, is going to take those L's, and the sooner you learn what to do with them, oh, man, you're going to be Tim, so much better off.
2: I will say, and I've, I've said this before, I'm a generally well-adjusted person. But I am hyper-competitive. And the one thing at you, 27 you years old... being a, a Big Ten athlete? Yeah, Hyper-competitive? Exactly. exactly. Nah. The one thing I cannot do at 27 years old is lose with grace. I still suck at losing. And so that's a part of my journey ah. for all the young people out there. You got to that. They need to learn how to be more graceful losers than me. You know what? That's so weird
1: because... I think most people listening, you think of Joshua Perry, you think of class, you know? You think of a guy with class, because we remember you as a player, and you were always one of the most common guys that would do media for the football team, and... You just seem like such a leader in the way you played the game. I think that would shock a lot of people to know that you, you would admit that, that you were not a guy that would lose with grace and dignity.
2: Tim, we lost four times in my four years at Ohio State, so it wasn't a lot of opportunities for people to really see how I was as a loser. But also, as a part of being a leader, I just knew how to hide it really well. Like I wasn't going to let the other guy see it, but if I was sitting at my apartment, I was definitely going to be acting a fool over anything that i lost. It's it's something that just never sat well with me. Sure. I can I can put the face on and i can do the thing, but even like right now just going through some of the progressions of my life. Anytime i feel like i took an L, my whole demeanor changes to the point where my wife is like, "Okay, we got to coach you up on this because you can't be a grown man the sore loser."
1: And i th- i think what you're saying is it's it's really not about what it was like when you lost a football game, which was your bread and butter. It was, it's everything else. It's everything else. And so
2: I, and, yeah. I I compete the same way and everything else is, is what I did playing ball. Was there anything that you were particularly
1: not proud of, like the way you would speak to a family member or a friend like after a loss when somebody's trying
2: to just give you a pick-me-up? All right, so let's get deep on this one. So um, I was nominated for that Sports Emmy, and Emmanuel Acho won it. And Ooh. I had just some family over to kind of watch the Emmy ceremony and everything. It was a virtual deal. And um, – my family's like, you know, let's let's drink some champagne, let's have some cocktails to celebrate that you made it this far. And my attitude was doo doo. Like my oh. demeanor was bad. My wife was like, You just you really just shut down, like everybody's trying to celebrate you, X, Y, and Z. Like that's a recent example for me. And it's just I'm not like I don't lash out, but I'm just I'm in a shell.
1: Bad attitude, right? Bad attitude. Yeah. You could ju- you could see it on your face, you could see it in your eyes. Like, Oh, he didn't want to talk right now. That's it wow well I, I commend you for admitting that it's a part of the process it's part, You've part of the process it. you got yeah. to know if something if something isn't quite right and then you can go attack it and i think that's like the number one thing too like with youth athletes it's it's effort and then it's attitude yeah, right it is. it's how 100%. to like build, how to build yourself up because man especially with these little baseball players like you stri- you're gonna strike out a lot you don't suck right yeah you don't suck when yeah. you strike out it's like the easiest thing to say. It's like you strike out 7 times out of 10, you're a Hall of Famer. Like it's right. the easiest little stat nugget that's hanging there. That's it. All right, I want to uh, I want to talk about a guy coming up here who I'm sure would have uh, listened to that segment and he would have just been going crazy. Overall of like the little lessons being told. Jim Tressel gave some comments at Braxton and Troy's camp this past weekend that we didn't hit on yet and I want to. And I think it's just fun to go and reminisce and see How back-to-back-to-back. I know you had Luke Fickle in there for a year, but what the last 20 years of coaches have been like for Buckeye football is just straight-up unfair for the rest of them. We will get into that. It's the Buckeye Show on the fan.
0: We are everywhere. On your radio. Online. The fan app. Alexa. And behind you in your car. Right now. Too creepy? Sorry. The fan. Ohio sports destination. Brace yourselves for more Buckeye banter. This is the Buckeye Show.
1: Yes, it is. Timmy Hall and Joshua Perry hanging out with you tonight. Making it a good one. Happy Wednesday out there. Joshua, you played for Urban Meyer. I'm wondering have you ever sat around and thought or how much you would have wanted to play for a guy like Jim Tressel?
2: That was the guy who recruited me originally. Um, and I've said this. Before, but I I think I got to repeat this. So if Urban Meyer was in charge of Ohio State at the time I was a high school recruit, you may have never seen Joshua Perry in Scarlet and Gray. Because Urban Meyer told me my first week on campus that he didn't think I belonged at Ohio State because I wasn't explosive enough. He didn't see the quick twitch. He didn't think I was tough enough, all those different things. Jim Trestle was not going to let a four-star out of central Ohio who was big and rangy leave central ohio urban with his national emphasis would have overlooked a guy like me to try to go out there and get the three other linebackers he recruited from the time that he was hired to the time that he had to ink the 2012 class so it was really unique but i would have loved the opportunity to play for tress i think he's one of the the most wonderful guys in sports in academia period so how how much contact did you have
1: with him on the trail
2: how much of that was there he was, I mean, he was the one who offered me, I came to his office, I got an offer at camp, it was him and Luke Fickle who extended the offer, and then about two days later, I sat down in his office and I told him I wanted to be a Buckeye, so there was extensive communication up until the point where he had to resign, and then um, I hadn't seen him in maybe eight or nine years, and I saw him at an event, and it was wild because he was like, you know, how are your mom and dad and your two brothers doing after not seeing me for nine years, he remembered that I had two brothers and everything, so it was super cool. But um yeah, man, it was it was one of those things where I'm super fortunate for the guy that I played for and we oh, have a yeah. great relationship, but at the same time it's just like you know, Jim Trestle is just a different personality and any time you can spend around a guy like him is valuable.
1: You know, I know I know we had to have talked about this before, but it's always fun to hear to hear you reminisce and to hear the stories again. So you when are we talking about like back in 2010? Did yes. he start recruiting you? Yes. That's, I mean, I guess that's about that's somewhat normal, right? That would have yep. been your junior year of high school.
2: Yeah. Normal timeline type of stuff there. Yep. And so that, heading into my yeah right heading into my junior year was when I got the offer.
1: That's pretty. You had to be pleased with that. Oh, I was heading I,
2: into your junior year. I mean, I was ready to shut it down. I was looking at. So this is the, 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 uh, a window into what Joshua Perry used to be before he became a jock is I was looking at Duke and Vanderbilt and Northwestern and Notre Dame and Stanford, but Ohio State was mm. always number one on my list. Mm. But I was like, if I, if I can't play for the hometown team, my second choice was Stanford. I'm like, I'm just going to go out to Palo Alto. I'm going to get a phenomenal education, do that deal, and then probably have a chance to play in the league if I'm good enough. Uh, but, you know, Ohio State comes knocking. It's really hard to turn it down.
1: Heck yeah, man. That makes me think of a. I was reading one of John Feinstein's books recently. He's like the famous sports author, right? Like any. He's done books about several topics. He's mainly a big golf and college basketball guy. And he had an excerpt in one of his recent ones and it was cool because it it highlighted Seth Towns, right, who mm-hmm. just jumped up back over here to Columbus to be on this Buckeye basketball team, which by the way, I think he's one of the biggest mystery men we have for the Holtman's squad going into the 21-22 season. How's that knee going to recoup? We know what a high-level player he was, but he was detailing a visit that Seth Towns had. I I it was either there or or Tommy Amaker, Harvard's coach, right? came here to do it. I can't remember which place it was, but it was in someone's living room And Tommy Amaker with all the sauce in the world, dropped an F bomb like Mm. in the visit in Mm. front of mom too. Of course it was unbelievable. And the way it just, he didn't really know that it was going to work. Right. He like looked them both dead in the eye. Like he looked across the coffee table, looked into Seth's eyes, looked into mom's eyes and kind of said to the both of them, you'd be effing crazy. Not to take this opportunity to come to Harvard, sure, and it and it won right. And Seth was like, "Yeah, I
2: would. You're, you'd be right." You and know, look
1: how it's all worked out. He got to go there.
2: Now he's back here. Best of both worlds. It is the best of both worlds. And the, the thing they say about folks who swear like that is that they're really honest people. And so maybe that was a moment. Where and it was you a felt calculated like,
1: choice. That doesn't yes. mean he's just going around f f f f no, f. No, but it's yeah. just
2: it's it's raw. You know what I'm saying? When you get somebody face to face who who would take it there, whether it's going to be received properly or not, you know that it's coming from a place of just, it's raw, it's honest, this is how you feel.
1: So I would point you in the direction as we go back and talk about Jim Trestle here. Marcus Hartman from the Dayton Daily News had a good write-up when he was there. He took in the camp and Jim Trestle spoke and that's really cool of him to do, right? To take some time. You talk about what he's become and you're talking like seven years into it now where he's the president of a university. I don't know how many other college football coaches... Are pulling that off and he's still doing that and having some great success like he's still there for a reason and he says that uh, you know after the former Ohio State coach finished his brief speech one of his most famous players told the young attendees seated on the football field on the former campus of Urbana University up there they did not know how lucky they were to receive such a message where Jim Trestle was given sort of a three-pronged approach be grateful have high expectations for yourself, and always keep others in mind. Like Those were the three things that Tress told the campers, right? In many more words than that, by the way, but I can't read them all to you in such a short time. Troy said, I call him my dad because when I was at Ohio State, if it weren't for him, I would have been lost. I wouldn't have been able to play quarterback or able to play football at all. Like how many... You just hear so many quotes like that from players hearing you speak about... You know how much you wanted to play for him, and that had to be a weird thing, wanting to play for Tress, and then a new coach comes in. But you're such an Ohio State guy; it wasn't going to change your mind. It's, it's, it's so cool. And with just with the the guys in the news this week, wanting to get their stats and their legacy back. Like I don't, I really don't think anything of Jim Tressel's legacy. Other than that, it's great.
2: No, and and truly, when you look back at Jim Tressel through kind of the scandal and everything the thing that you can point to is that he was trying to be a father figure and he was really trying to protect his players. And it didn't end up the way that, that anybody would have imagined, it didn't end up the way that anybody wanted it to necessarily, but he, he was trying to do what he felt was best to protect those guys. And I think that's admirable because you see the other side and kind of the nasty side of the coaching industry is where sometimes coaches will throw guys under the bus and and they don't even care because they're trying to save themselves. They're not worried about the impact it's going to have on a young twenty-something-year-old. Yeah. It's just they're worried about protecting their paycheck.
1: We'll uh, we'll keep the conversation going on this, and we'll bring our guy Dave Holmes into the discussion. Who's just out there walking around. He'll be live in studio as uh, like I said. It's, it's kind of ridiculous that you go from the talented coach and man that Jim Trussell was, who's leading you u- university. You roll that into Urban Meyer, you get the national championship there, you roll that into Ryan Day. I, it does make me wonder. It makes me wonder like how much pressure he feels or how much pressure we would be putting on Ryan Day to win the big one. It's almost like a necessity when you look at who's behind him. So we'll keep talking about that. Our guy, Dave Holmes. We'll say what up, Holmes, to him next. It's the Buckeyes show on The Fan. There's nothing like waking
0: up, turning on your radio, and hearing the ramblings of dummies. Common Man and T-Bone Weekend. Saturday morning at 10. The Fan. A man so professional, he wears a suit to a radio interview. He's 10TV's Dave Holmes.
1: Yes, he is. Joshua, I wish you could be here, man, so we could all just uh, stare at each other's eyes, just gaze at each other. Out. Still got him locked out. Soon, though very
3: soon. Our man is Dave Holmes from 10TV, as you heard it say. What's going on with you, man? How's the week? It's good. Joshua, do you want me to drop off my station ID so you can get in? Is the, is the issue a clearance thing? We've got to get you cleared.
2: Yeah, I'm not cleared yet. They uh, they still want me down here in the basement,
3: so I'm figuring it out.
2: I'm like Roger Godot right now, actually. Right. Yeah, yeah. You know, I got I don't have M&Ms. I got high shoes on my desk right now, but, you know.
3: <laughs> I'm. Mean, I, they don't want me saying this, but the garage code is 12345. I mean, if you oh, just yeah. want to just come on really by. Yeah, yeah. It's really easy. It's not easy to remember security.
2: i should have just punched that in the other day when i was driving by <laughs> that's right
3: do we have like a rock out there by the gate <laughs> i'm sure and we just leave a little key under the rock yeah the mat the doormat yeah yeah, under the mat. yeah. do you think go. crooks have ever realized that it's always under the rock or the doormat i think they probably have evolved at this point right just the the obvious fake rock, too, like in the middle of like the flower <laughs> the band, landscape, the plastic rock, rock. Yeah. yeah, I think they
2: probably just avoid those. they're they're like i want I want the challenge like I didn't get into this for the easy one. <laughs> I got into this so I could challenge myself. Yeah. you know it it also would be fun. It feels like
1: something that I could try at some point.
3: Breaking an entry? No. no. <laughs>
1: <laughs> that, it de- depends. You know, some of my neighbors, I wouldn't mind like right. messing with them like yeah, that. Desperate times. But I'm talking about like the baiting. I love mm. the baiting that goes on. Mm-hmm. You know, like these, these guys that are catching like the porch pirates. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're I- a master that. baiter.
2: That's the deal.
1: <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm a decent baiter, okay? I'm, I'm, I'm average. My cousin, he's masterful. But. <laughs> Dave, let's get, let's, let's, uh, let's reel it in from this nonsense right here. We were, we were just discussing Jim Trestle back there and just some of the comments he was talking to. No better setting to catch Jim Trestle than when he's talking to campers, right? Mm -hmm. Like, you're going to get the best of the best. You're going to get the senator dressed up. T- giving you life lessons and what I was saying back there, he talked to them about being grateful, having high expectations for yourself, and always keeping others in mind. Like three things take with you kids, go and have a good camp out here. Listen to Troy Smith and listen to Braxton Miller. As we as we move on from Jim Trestle, I just I just always have found it fascinating how that situation could happen, Tatgate, and that's been in the news again this week. You roll that into just one season that doesn't go your way. Mm -hmm. But you weren't really, well, I I guess 2012 is the year you weren't eligible. You tried to be eligible in 2011. People say you should have just taken it on the chin then. Maybe you wouldn't have gotten the 2012 ban. But right off the bat, you get Urban Meyer and you're 12-0 and and you're off to the races. And our guy Joshua knows about that. Is there any other program in the country that you could think of? Even hoops, where you look at three consecutive coaches a 20-year span where you've got this kind of success going
3: on. Yeah, it's hard to think of anything because normally you have programs that have multiple great coaches. So you have Dean Smith to Roy Williams, but we have to go through a Billy Guthridge, a a Matt Doherty. Oh, Doherty. You have to go through some some stuff, you know? I mean, yeah, so I would say it's hard to think of someone who's had a program three in a row like this, and it's interesting because they all had weird circumstances. You had Tatgate. Then you had Urban, of course, had some things during his last season mm-hmm. with the suspension. So they had controversy, and then it always led to the program writing itself. And, you know, it's interesting because you see... How does that happen? I don't know. Right? Because, that doesn't happen other Because places. you see in Michigan, Lloyd Carr who actually won a national championship, they run him out of town. They're not happy. They bring in Rich Rodriguez. He's going to spread the Big Ten and look out. It's never going to be the same. And in many ways, it was never going to be the same. It never worked from there on out. So if you make the wrong hire for the wrong program, you know because Rich Rod worked quite well at times in other programs, West Virginia, Arizona, but the wrong coach at the wrong time can lead you down a Michigan path of almost 15 years now. And Ohio State has been so lucky to avoid that and just kept the ship going smooth.
2: Well, you talked about the wrong coach at the wrong time, and it seems like Ohio State's been able to find the right coach at the right time, and you've been covering sports in Ohio since 2007. So when you look at each of the coaches that we've had that have had success, how do you characterize each of them as individuals because they're all so different?
3: Yeah, it's funny. So I think of Coach Cooper, okay? I think of John Cooper, and I get it. Everyone thinks last week in November they can't help themselves, but he took them very national. No one got talent like Coop. I mean, you look at the first-round picks in the 90s. He brought talent. Then you saw Jim Trestle come in and really develop it. And he he locked down Ohio. He talked about that. And the two things Trestle did, he locked down Ohio and he beat Michigan. And he got that thing back on track. Then Urban went just crazy national on the recruiting. We're going to Georgia, Texas. I mean, it's, you know... Howard Dean, all right. We're going, we're going to Texas. We're going to Georgia. We're going all over. We're going to Florida. We're going to grab the best players. And then Ryan Day has basically said, let's do that same thing with a smooth players coach that people love. Super likable guy. So they've all kind of done different things, but Tress really got this thing going, especially on the Michigan front and keeping the national dominance that Cooper had in the recruiting trail. And each guy's kind of added a little bit to it. And Ryan Day's tough to judge after a couple of years here because he hasn't won the big one. But it's clear he's not letting anything off the rails. he's going to be in the hunt every year.
1: Dave Holmes is with us. I guess we can we can call this the Bryant heating and cooling fan guest hotline fan guest microphone, yeah, is what it is right here, yeah, special guest on the program. I'm glad you hit on Cooper right there because seriously, how close could this have been to where you're talking about back to back to back to back coaches, yeah, and you almost kind of don't put coop into that trio and and should ryan day be in that trio is the other question to ask and with the pressure but cooper having some of those dominant teams in the 90s that were so good that always got sidetracked and like you said the draft picks that's still the last number one overall pick pace is yeah. that how we sit today
3: yeah orlando would be the last one right orlando
1: pace right yeah. man last number one overall pick but what do you say about you know pressure for Ryan Day? Is he just too good? Does he avoid that
3: because we know it's just a matter of time before he does it? How does that work for you? It almost feels inevitable, which it never should be. I hate getting to that place where you feel spoiled to the point that you know the championship's coming. <laughs> right. But that's where we are. And, and that is kind of what Trestle started was he took the Cooper legacy, which was we're going to get the best talent, But we're actually going to win with it on the field. And then Urban took it to this level of anything more than one loss in a season is not acceptable, is rip your hair out. Yeah. I mean, 11 and 1 is the baseline now, which is a crazy place to be. But at the same time, you look around the Big Ten and you have more five star talent than basically every other school combined. So it makes sense. You should go 11 and 1 as a baseline. So Ryan Day's judged on this curve, fair or not. And I feel like it's inevitable. I I guess the way, here's the way I'd look at it if Ryan Day left Ohio State without a national championship, I would be A, stunned, and B, disappointed. I tend to agree with that. I, I think that it's, it's
2: probably sooner than later that we see them hoisting that trophy as national champions, just the way that they're recruiting and the way it comes together on the field. I want to take a quick look up north. Tim and I yesterday, we were kind of going through some of the coaches that were on the hot seat. Uh, Dennis Dodd put out a list of, of hot seat rankings, and Jim Harbaugh, of course, is on there. And so I'm wondering, from your perspective, what does Michigan have to do to be able to catch up? Not even catch up, but
3: really close the gap with Ohio State. Well, find the quarterback first off. Now, I know they think they have one now. I think they they think they have a talented young quarterback. But here's the thing with Jim Harbaugh. It's very interesting. If you put any other name next to Jim Harbaugh, for argument's sake, let's make a name up and just call it Brady Hoke. And if you put a name next to his resume, you have to think it's not good enough to keep that job. And for whatever reason, Jim Harbaugh, through his time in Stanford and his brief tenure with the 49ers, earned a reputation as being a great head coach. In fact, he would have been in top five lists, as we've seen Ryan Day routinely left out during clickbait summer 2021. Hmm. He would have been on a lot of these top five lists, and the blooms off that rose for sure. And I just wonder what you have to do, because we talked about Ohio State's baseline is 11-1. and Michigan's baseline is developed into... Eight, nine, and four. And four? Yeah, eight yeah. And, yeah, Eight and four. Well, yeah, yeah, eight, yeah. Yeah, with an eight, extra, and I mean, eight and four is kind of what you. Maybe expect. nine and three. Yeah. Baseline. Yeah, yeah. And, and when you look around the Big Ten, I mean, there's really only one or two other schools that should even be competing with Michigan on a talent level. So, I really think it's put up or shut up time with Harbaugh. But I also said that twenty four months ago, and the last two years have kind of been more of the same. I'm looking
1: at the resume right now as you guys were talking. You realize he hasn't won. And how big of a deal is winning a bowl game these days anyway? Yeah. It's not that big of a deal. Mm -hmm. Joshua and I were talking yesterday about how that's a big deal for David Cutcliffe at Mm -hmm. Duke. Right. You win bowl games at Duke. We don't flipping care if that's the Belk Bowl or whatever. Yep. Take it from where the expectations were when you took the job. Win a bowl game, good for you. Yeah. This guy hasn't won a bowl game since 2015, his first year. Mm. He won
3: the Citrus. It's a bad deal. That's it. Huh? It's pathetic, and you're not even getting into the big ball games. Did you almost sense, Joshua, that he didn't want this job at the end of the last year? They had that long stalemate where I was waiting for him to quit or be fired, and it's like they both just looked at each other. It was like this toxic relationship where you both know you probably should break up, but you're both afraid of being lonely. It just was a very weird, silent period after that season. It was, and, and they were both entities. The university and Coach Harbaugh
2: were both flirting with other opportunities. Mm-hmm. Harbaugh's interviewing for NFL jobs, and the university's kind of, you know, leaking that they're coaching candidates to see how they're received and everything. And they finally come to this contract that's very noncommittal on both sides. Tim and I talked about it yesterday, and it's just really unique to see. I think the one thing that endures, though, is Ward Manuel's relationship with Jim Harbaugh and how far back that goes. And I think that's part of what has kind of kept this thing together. But in my opinion, it was it's a long time for them to move on. I mean, they should have done it a couple years ago. Like you said, you're talking 24 months ago. It's put up or shut up time. I agree. Dave,
1: we're about to continue with our all-Urban Meyer team. Mm -hmm. If you had a first-round draft choice for the defense... Who would it be? Ooh. Who are you taking
3: first for defensive picks? Wow. See, it's so interesting because you, you'd go right to the defensive line. Right. And you think, That's what we're doing next, And you too. think, give me a Bosa, <laughs> flip a coin, I want either <laughs> one. But they put so many defensive backs in the first So are we talking NFL success, their time at Ohio whatever State? Whatever you want it to be. It's whatever I want whatever it to be. Whatever you want it to be. Who's I the would, best? I would actually say Joey Bosa would be my first pick. But, man, you could talk me into nick you could even talk me into something crazy like malik hooker for talking on a one season oh, just yeah. a one season yeah. player Woo. he was he was ed reed in a red uniform for a season i know that you, know, you don't see it like that in his, college football No, he hasn't stayed healthy you and I understand that in the nfl but yeah i would say bosa as far as overall time there
1: all right that's good uh dave thank you so much man Big, jo- big week for us. Space Jam coming up on Friday.
3: Oh, yeah, I don't care about that. Joshua, hey, you have a great time, man. Can't <laughs> wait to see you back here. One, two, three, four, five. I will break in tomorrow.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Good, I can't wait. I'm going to be talking live with Joshua Perry. There goes Dave Holmes, our man from 10TV. Always love having him every Wednesday right here on the Buckeye Show. We continue assembling that all-urban team. We put together our defense. It starts with the defensive line. It's the Buckeye Show on the fan
0: season ticket holder from day one us too now and forever your flagship home of the columbus blue jackets the fan ohio sports destination the best sports talk in the big ten lives right here now back to the buckeye show on the fan
1: good to have our guy dave holmes in the studio back there that was fun timmy hall and joshua perry with you 50 days did you realize? Does that make it any sweeter when you get a nice round number like that or gulston days away from Buckeye football being back? 50 days, man.
2: Buddy, let me tell you, I'm I'm about a week away from Big 10 media days and then the next week after that I'm on the road covering training camps. This is amazing.
1: Right. I know will you keep me up to, up to date on what's going on with you cuz I'd imagine your schedule is going to be all over the place, and it's probably still coming together, right? Like, what's, yes. the, what's the latest with your sketch coming up?
2: So, uh, media days, uh, 22nd, 23rd, I believe. And then starting August 5th, we're going to be on the road looking at some training camps that'll run through about the 20th. Mm. And then that next weekend, we are starting with uh, Illinois and Nebraska, I think, playing a little week zero matchup there. And then we've got some games coming up the week after that, a couple of Thursday nighters, a Friday night game, and then a slate of Saturday games. So it is it is right here.
1: What's the, what's the ultimate goal for you with where you want to go with this broadcasting thing? Is it getting into the booth and being a color commentator? Or you enjoy the studio
2: work? You want to be like a hybrid? What, where are you going with this? So I actually really enjoyed uh, doing some of the color commentary on the high school games. That was a lot of fun for me. I think it helped me develop a, a new skill set that I hadn't tapped into before. And in this space, it's really valuable to be able to do the color commentary thing because there are so many games that are broadcast every week. Uh, but, and I, I don't mean this to sound cocky as I say it, but I would love to be one of the notable names like Joel Klatt or like Kirk Herbstreet. Like I want to be on one of the big networks covering the biggest games of the week, kind of doing that thing. Not necessarily in the booth, in the studio would be cool, but I, I want to take this as far as I can go.
1: Absolutely, man. You keep at it. Look uh, look where those guys were back at the beginning.
2: Yeah, I mean, Street was 10 TV, and he was 97.1 The Fan. So it's a little bit of a, a, a roadmap. Playbook is already laid out there.
1: Yep, there is a way, man. There is a will. There is a way. So uh, we got to pick four guys right here. We gave you our offensive unit yesterday. Again, as I said, uh, you always can. Go and uh, download the Buckeye Show podcast. Any platform that you are listening to your pods on it, just go and subscribe and uh, give us a little rating and review. We've got the offensive starting 11 on yesterday's July 13th podcast. So today we are doing the defense, and this will be fun to hear our linebacker talk about tonight. So if you're going to start this up, I think Dave Holmes gave us a pretty easy one. And I we'll see about this because – where it's easy, it also becomes tough because there are so many talented defensive ends and there are three, not two, three ridiculously good ones. So who do you leave off? You've got Bosa, Bosa, and Young. Almost just
2: start with that. Who do you leave off and why? Well, this is, this is where I went. and I've said this before and I firmly believe that I would not have been the linebacker that I was without Joey Bosa playing right in front of me. He made things so much easier as a linebacker because he was getting all the attention, and my job was just to find the ball and make the tackle. So I had to put him on my list because I know the impact that he had on a football game. The other defensive end that I put on my list was Chase Young. And watching him in that 2019 season, in just the way that he was able to take off and change the game. There were times on BTN where we would be doing post-game uh, post breakdowns, can't talk, um, where he, both, would, man. he would have three offensive players trying to block him. He would get a double team off the line of scrimmage and then either a tight end or a running back trying to chip him so they could make sure he couldn't get to the quarterback. That's impressive. Nobody gets that kind of attention, and I had to put him on the list because of that.
1: Yeah, I, I'm probably a Joey. I, I'm going to go the same with you there. Try not to be too boring with this, but adding another layer there. Going with Joey Bosa, going with Chase Young. Joey just had so many moments on film that just made your eyes pop out, right? Mm-hmm. He had big plays. He had timely plays. Like, when was the last time you saw somebody win a football game with a walk-off sack, right? Sure. There are, first of all, like it can't happen in the pros because of the format, right? Unless you're talking like the clock is winding down, but this was more like in the exciting college football overtime setups, a walk-off sack, and he threw a running back into the hack and sack there. Mm-hmm. He just took the dude, Brandon Walked Bell, maybe it was. I don't know. And he just threw him right into him. Like, it was crazy. And I also give a lot of credit for Joey Bosa being the first in that line of those three talented defensive ends that we mm-hmm. sort of grouped together. The first one to really show everybody out there what this position was going to be like here at Ohio State. And I think that set a, te- that set a tempo, did it not? Especially when you talk about brothers and the competitiveness we talked a little bit about our competitiveness with fathers and sons earlier talk about brother to brother and what sure. that must have you know supercharged Nick Bosa's mentality and then Chase coming in as well with the sacks he was you got to go Chase with the sacks he was putting up in that season what he still wound up doing with the lost games it's just yes. insane i also got to say though lots of eyeballs at a John Simon. You talk about a seat at Urban's Thanksgiving table. (laughs) John Simon might be at the head of it or wrestling with Tim Tebow for the, uh, the chair with the
2: arms at the end. John Simon was one of the most impactful locker room guys that you could have. And I was lucky enough in my career to cross paths with him twice. Obviously at Ohio State and then when I was with the Colts, he was in that outside linebacker room. And even as a pro, he was the same way. He was a locker room guy, practiced hard, Every single practice, and then the meeting room. He was like another coach in there, so it was really hard for me because the talent level definitely wasn't what we saw of the Boses and out of Chase Young. But just in terms of a guy who was impactful on a team, really hard to leave a guy like that off. I'll start
1: with one of my interior defensive linemen, and I, I got to go a little bit farther back for mm-hmm. this one. This was you're going when, for. when I just started here in the market. And you talk about that 2012 team that went undefeated. Yeah. This big dude in the middle was just a clogger, and he had a motor. And I'm talking about Jonathan Hankins. Yeah, that's the easy choice. Right? That, I mean, that w- one of them is easy. You're saying that's like the the primo defensive tackle that we could find really in the last decade for Ohio State football, right?
2: Yeah, I mean, he's just plugging things up in there. He wasn't the most athletic guy, but uh, he was a fighter. He was a guy who was going to take on a double team and wouldn't complain about it. I enjoyed playing with him because he was also like a a funny dude who kept things really lighthearted. But just in terms of the value that he had as an interior defensive lineman, you got to choose him.
1: The other guy I would pick was doing some work for us here last season on our pregame shows, mm-hmm. and that was Michael Bennett, who was on your
2: team. See, now I, I went a little bit of a different direction here, and the second choice was really hard because Mike Bennett, I played with him. He was one of the all-time great guys just in terms of he'll put, your arm or, he'll put his arm around you, let you really know where you stand with him, and I could always appreciate that. Did a really good job for us. But I went with Draymond Jones. hmm. And it's the athleticism. Also a good
1: pick. It's a more recent one. I like that one, too.
2: It's the athleticism that he brought where he could really rush from the inside of that defensive line. And that's what you need in today's game is an interior guy who's not just going to clog things up, but who can really get after the quarterback.
1: I'd like a couple of nods for our guy, B.B. Landers, too. Boy. <laughs> you know? Boy. Somebody playing that nose. What a guy. Unbelievable. What he could do, man, with what he had, that's... That's incredible. We will continue on with the rest of our defensive team as we get going in the 7 o'clock hour. It will start, though, with the very latest. Hey, we've got Big 12 media days kicking off today. Football is coming back. We've got a certain coach out there, too, who you know, saying he's a changed man. That's all coming up. Some headlines. It's the College Football Pulse. Buckeye Show on the fan. The best soccer team in the land lives on the best radio station in the land.
0: Proud to be your flagship home for the Columbus crew all season long. The band. Ohio Sports Destination. It's time for the college football
1: pulse on The Buckeye Show.
4: Sponsored by Menards. Save big money at Menards.
1: Hour number two of The Buckeye Show. Timmy Hall and Joshua Perry with you. Time for some of the headlines. Triple H, we are having some battles on that foosball table. My boy ain't playing no foosball. It's been good, man. Finally beat you. I finally beat somebody at something around here. That's just one game of foosball, and I got Triple H. He's got quick hands, strong wrists.
4: He knows how to maneuver
1: those little dudes.
4: Tell you what. Yeah, yeah, and then we flipped sides of the table all of a sudden, and it's like... (laughs) It was a changed game. It's a changed game. It's crazy. I had something in the back of my mind that said, maybe that... That opposite side maybe this goal that you're shooting at has a little slant a little tilt it's the scarlet versus the black team and, and yeah. it's scarlet they just scarlet owns it they they, they do right now so we so. switch sides after we get to 5 yeah. goals yep so keep it fair I going to try to take one back uh I just got to say also it's it's like national touchdown day 7 14 21 that's like the perfect like football oh. score I just I just Did you really just cool. come up with that? I did you didn't, see that on, you didn't see that on social media? Nope. I just looked at the date and I said, "You made it up." Yes. Yeah, so, yeah. I mean, you know, that's pretty good. Thanks, man. That's good you gotta, out of you. You gotta submit it to the committee
2: on national holidays.
1: Because I've I've said I'm like I suck at that. I never understand like those things with the dates and with the numbers. And then here you go, just looking at the bottom of your screen on Microsoft, and you say, "Oh, 71421? National Touchdown
4: I was, Day. I was posting the Dave Holmes interview. I was like 7-14-20. I approve. Tutties, you know? <laughs>
1: uh, <laughs> all right, that I'm not so sure. Yeah, uh, that's good. That's good. What do we got going on today?
4: Well, Ohio Bobcats' Frank Solich, the winningest coach in MAC history and fourth winningest active coach in all of college football is stepping down to focus on his health. At 76 years old, happy retirement to Frank Solich. 11 bowls and 16 seasons for Frank. Not a bad job down there in Athens. Not bad at all, Joshua. He finished and you
1: know This is what we're talking about with winning bowl games. It's, it's a big deal for some programs. It would not be a big deal for, say, you're the likes of Michigan, just winning any other bowl game when there's 40 of them out there. 80 teams get to participate. When you're Ohio you. That is something. Getting to that six and six line and then winning the last one, that's that's a big deal. And this guy won the last three that he took the Bobcats to nine and four and 17, nine and four and 18, seven and six and 19. Victories in the Bahamas, Frisco, and famous Idaho Potato Bowl. As I was looking at Frank Solich things today, one of the images that kept making the rounds was him getting the French fry bath. Ah. At the famous Idaho Potato Bowl. They gotta put a bunch it. of fries in the Gatorade bucket. So, I mean, I, I got to tell you, I would sign up for that. You don't get drenched with liquid. And I'm probably eating a few of those fries if they're not touching the turf.
2: No, I'm eating them off the turf if I need to. I'm, I'm a uh, big French fry guy. And people who know me well would know that. Uh, but I'll, I'll pose this question here. You think Nebraska would like a guy like that back around Lincoln?
1: They probably wish they never let him go because Frank Solich, I know, you know, there's some health issues there. He's not, I think I heard earlier too, that he was the oldest coach in college football at 76 years old, the oldest. So he's not anymore. Uh, But, and again, happy trails to him. I hope his, his health improves and he's got some, some years left to enjoy his family and enjoy the success he had in this game. But no, you said it, man, I'm looking up his Nebraska resume right now. 9-4, 12-1, 10-2, 11-2, Nine and four, twelve and one, ten and two, eleven and two, dipped to seven and seven, and that one year in two thousand two got everybody against him. Then went nine and three in two thousand three, and that was it. And he was gone. Didn't get to coach in the Alamo Bowl. 15, I mean, nine 19.
2: and three. We're we're getting rid of guys over nine and three in Lincoln. They wish
1: they and they Bo wasn't Bo Pelini the king of nine and four. Yeah, I think he had like four straight nine and fours. Well, and then you, he was. Gone. I mean, if you're in Nebraska, you feel like you wish you still had that guy around. Absolutely. You can't even get close. I mean, the Frosty Boy is he hotter frosty. than hot gets. Yeah.
2: yeah, yeah.
4: He's the opposite of Frosty. <laughs> Guys, this one slipped by us last week, but Lane Kiffin was talking about his experience uh, at FAU. You know, we know Lane as the guy that's been around some really. You know, he grew up with his dad being a defensive coordinator in the NFL, so he's been around prime call it like prime football his whole life. You know, and he's been coaches at big programs everywhere he's gone. Well, he was just wrapping up his experience at FAU trying to say that it really changed him. Seeing the players, seeing the excitement. Oh, God. It didn't matter that there were only 8,000 people at the game or something when they won. I think that was a big part of it. Kind of the wholesomeness of the game. Like, FAU is like... He's treated it like he did some, like, mission trip or something. It, like, it does. <laughs> it <sounds> like- <laughs>
1: That's good. It sounds like a Mormon mission. It's like what he did at FAU. Two years, and then right back to business. Good for him. The second the SEC will have me,
2: I'm back, baby. Let's go. Ole Miss, let's go. Let's You freeze this thing. So I think the one thing he probably enjoyed about his experience at FAU is he was the biggest thing smoking in town. Uh, and, and he's a headline guy. But he I mean, and we've seen some of the tweets and he's still pretty loose with them right now. But like they probably told him, we're not even going to monitor your social media accounts. We're not going to police you like you do what you got to do. Have fun.
1: Um, I'm reading some quotes here from this article that you were referring to, Hayden, from last week from the uh, Clarion Ledger. And I'm trying to catch the first name because I'm deep in the article. It's the who's the AD at Ole Miss? It's uh, Carter. It's something Carter, right? Uh, Carter? Aaron Carter. Is it Aaron Carter? He's a no, f- he's I'm, a former, I'm joking. He's a former All-American basketball player there. for Keith Keith yep. Carter. Yeah, in Keith sync. Carter. Sorry, sorry. Keith Carter, the AD for Ole Miss. He's the one giving lots of quotes here in this article about, you know, taking a stab at a guy like Lane Kiffin. He says, was there, was there a little bit of risk? Maybe. But absolutely, we feel like that risk is paid off. That's interesting to hear a higher up say that a risk is paid off with one pandemic season under, into the books. Isn't it? How do we know that this is paid off? You're talking about just making a splash higher and that's the end of the transaction? Well, it's all about getting six or seven years into it and you've got stability with your program.
2: I, I agree with that, but at the same time, I think part of hiring a guy like that is the excitement that comes uh, with the personality and what it does to rejuvenate a program. And so I think from that aspect, it's a definite win.
1: Yeah, but just ask... I guess what I would say to that is ask Michigan how they're doing now.
2: Yeah, but the now personality that that is, is not off. the same though. You know, we're not talking about a guy who doesn't eat scared birds. We're talking about a guy who's the all-time Twitter champ.
1: <laughs> you're you're saying that is it's a good thing for Lane Kiffin?
2: It, it just it rejuvenates things. It brings some excitement. I think recruits really like that. I mean, he's a better recruiter than than Jim Harbaugh, so it's paying off in that regard.
1: He just my my only concern. And it's it's a big one with Lane is that he's never proven to be a winner. Anywhere. I tend to agree with that. That's the that's the that's really all it's about, right? You can bring antics, you can do cool things, and if you back that up with wins, it's just he would have been at the top of my list if I'm running a big time program to stay away from. He'd be mm. on like that list where. It's don't even call. Or it's like six sections, and it's like the emergency hire at the very bottom, you know? (laughs) Like if I have all my tiers of coaches, because I mean, he so he's a blacklist guy. He's almost a blacklist guy. Like what happened at Tennessee? He like didn't even stick around for a year. And then USC came calling. He jumped on that. That didn't happen. He's in the NFL for a cup of coffee. That was a total disaster. Sure. Best he's ever been was at Florida Atlantic. So it's going to be... It's an interesting thing to keep an eye on. Uh, We'll we'll put it that way. Like, everything you said, Twitter champ, the fact that he can ruffle Nick Saban's feathers a little bit is kind of funny. Funny for us to look at. Maybe not so much for him that you would
2: have to back that up, but I I can get a kick out of it. Let me throw this out about Kiffin. Does it change your mind at all that he's not, like, 28 years old anymore? Because I think that was part of the issue with him when he first started getting these big-time jobs is I think the moment was probably too big for where he was in life. Just
1: didn't know what he was doing, right? Yeah,
2: I mean, I'm, I'm 27 right All based on right his now. dad's legacy, right? Yeah, you know, if I, was, if I was 30 years old taking a head coaching job at a big university, I'd probably fail.
1: Yeah, and that's the thing. He's 46 now. He says that FAU changed him. I kind of call BS this soon into it. We will see, though. I'll give him his shot. Give him his chance to see if he can do it at Ole Miss because I do think that's a rather... Difficult spot to win consistently at.
2: I don't disagree.
4: Hayden? Well, guys, it was Big 12 media days starting today. That's and right. And Bob Bowlsby kicked it off by encouraging all student athletes in the Big 12 to get vaccinated. He says Good. you are taking a unnecessary risk if you don't and reminds people what happened to NC State in the College World Series. So... A little yeah. bit of a threat there. To, how about John. How about athletes? John.
1: It's not a threat. It's just encouraging players to do something that's going to keep them on the field. I mean, yeah. I think he's he comes from a point. He comes from a place where that's important is making sure that their season can go off without a hitch. Point to John Rom here at the memorial. How he would have been vaccinated earlier. He'd have a, a, another
2: million point six in his pocket and a trophy. Yeah, I mean, and, and I'm not, I don't want to get too far in the weeds on it, but I, I think it's perfectly fine that he would encourage that, to your point. And you see some of the flare ups with like the Delta variant going on. Um, I'm sure that they're not just going to let players play if they test positive for Corona or the, the Delta variant. And then there's this thought, too, that you have to keep rosters intact during the season because it only takes one guy to come in infected. And then it spreads throughout the team. And next thing you know, you can't play a game. And this year, they're not going to get the mulligan were, hey, we're going to try to reschedule this. You you can't do that because everybody else is going to be getting a regular season in. So I don't think it's a bad thing that he would encourage that.
1: Well, the big thing, though, with Big 12 Media Days is they got Oklahoma living in that conference. And one of the things Lincoln Riley said is uh, showing, he said, championship DNA was a phrase that I heard, showing what Riley called championship DNA, Oklahoma getting back to the basics this offseason. He said, our focus zeros back in on getting to the best version of ourselves. If we do that, things will happen the way they're supposed to happen. That's been our focus since day one after beating Florida in this building. So, I mean, this is a team that has been right on the cusp, man. They've been getting to the college football playoff. They haven't been winning at all in the college football playoff. So they've got to do something to back up. Everything that's being built by Lincoln Riley,
2: you gotta play some defense. How about that? That's a start, right? Show some some of that damn defense, and then maybe you can compete in the college football playoff. And and all that offense they got going on is fantastic. And I think that teams with high-powered offenses always have a shot. But when you cannot stop a soul, then I don't know what you like. I don't know what you expect. So they've got to improve what they're doing there. We talked about what they were recruiting. A couple of weeks ago, when we were doing this show, and and you can't get three-star defensive backs going to Oklahoma and expect to contend for a national championship.
1: And that's what the story was that day, as you were referring to a couple of three-star defensive backs. I don't want to crap on three three-star guys. I don't either. But But when when you're five stars at at
2: Alabama and Clemson, what's the competition doing? Yeah, it's 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 just tough to compete that way. You can't have. You can, but it's harder to have a three-star guarding Chris Olave and Garrett Wilson than it is to have a five-star.
1: No, you're right. And if you have, you, you could maybe count on a couple of three-stars improving throughout two or three years of college football, right? Yes. And they can get up to that level. But if you also are recruiting more four-star and five-star guys at the same time, your odds of being in the fight against these guys, because you, you need to stop thinking about the Big 12, right? Mm-hmm. You are destroying the Big 12. Forget them. Nobody is on your level. You got to do what Ohio State's doing. You have to put your focus and energy into two teams, and that's Clemson and Alabama. That's what it is right now. I agree. So they got to do that. So Spencer Rattler's their guy and I'm I'm I kind of forget the fact that they won 8 straight games after they started 1 and 2 because mm. the pandemic season is a little funny, but that is what happened back there. So there is your college football pulse again. Uh, happy happies to Frank Solich, the head coach who did really a a lot of good things for the folks down in Athens, the Ohio university program. I know Bobby Carpenter's brother played there and was a captain on that defense as well. And it's just a neat little town. Again, I, I give it up. I, I got a lot of love for the Mac programs throughout the state of Ohio. There's a lot of good football. If you want to just take your boys or take your girls around the state and do something when the Buckeyes have a, have a bye weekend. I've done that before. Wasn't even a couple years ago when I took Jack down to Athens and had a good old time at that stadium down there and it was a game against Northern Illinois and it was a whole lot of fun. So congrats to Frank Solich for the career he had there. We will continue with the all-Urban Meyer defense as we get to Joshua Perry's own position group. We're picking the linebackers next. It's the Buckeye Show on the fan. The only radio station
0: still operating with an active booze cart. I'm drunk right now. No, I'm not. Yes, I am. The fan. Ohio sports destination. Block O on the radio. This is the Buckeye Show.
3: Martinez goes to the line possibly to change the play. Drops back into the shotgun on first down. Martinez at his 10. Gets the shotgun snap. Hands it to Abdullah, who goes to the middle of the line. And
0: Abdullah's going to be pushed and thrown around behind the 15. Ryan Shazier, sophomore linebacker from Plantation, Florida, throwing Abdullah around like a (laughs) ragdoll.
1: Like a (laughs) ragdoll. That is what that dude did. What number 10 did back there in an Ohio State uniform. Also number one, right? So, Ryan Shazier, we can just get that one out of the way. Timmy Hall and Joshua Perry with you. Going into our linebacker core now, the all-Urban Meyer team, the starting 11. We gave you our defensive front. We uh, are giving you our linebackers right now. We need three of them. I figure it's not even, uh, not even really up for discussion. Ryan Shazier's got one of those spots. It's just ridiculous, the player that he was.
2: I agree. Uh, got to learn from Ryan early on in my career, and it's funny when you're trying to learn from a player like that, because Ryan, was he's a, a, a football IQ guy, just a super smart linebacker, but you watch him do some things athletically that nobody else can get away with, and you watch the way that he would play certain techniques, and you can't replicate it because you're not the athlete that he is, and so I go out and practice, and I'm like, oh, I'm going to try that thing that I saw Ryan do on tape, and I'd be getting cussed out because I'm not Ryan. And the the shameful thing is what happened to him in the NFL with his injury. I know. Because he could have been one of the, in my opinion, one of the all-time greats to play the linebacker position. Now, the positive out of that is what he's doing right now to impact people's lives. Because he started a charity surrounding people who have gone through the same trauma that he's gone through. And he's all about other people and about giving, which is amazing. But he was just... Wild, like looking at the tape, you would sit back in awe. And I I talked about the way that Coach Fickle would grade. He would give you a technique grade, a a fundamental grade, and then he would grade you on if you made the player did your job or not. And there would be so many times that Ryan would get a minus on the fundamentals, a minus on the technique, but he would get a double plus on making the play because the play was so phenomenal. Like that's the type of guy that he was. He could just do so many things and you couldn't compete with it.
1: Yeah, he was he almost was just too good of an athlete for the position in a way, if yes. that makes sense. Like he could so, have done anything he wanted to do with the athlete that he proved to be and you were I mean, about he to go did. go ahead.
2: So, yeah. this is what was interesting about Ryan is Ryan is what we would call a hard gainer. He could not gain weight. And so we would walk into the facility and if you walk in the the athlete entrance, there are these big windows to the weight room. And then Mickey Marathi has an office that has a big window to it. And you would see Ryan in there every day with Coach Mick pounding a pizza before a practice because he's trying to put the weight on him. And even as a guy who was undersized, he was one of the strongest guys in the room. And then he got on the field and he was just tearing people up. You know, his NFL
1: stats, he didn't even before the horrific injury that took him out permanently from the game, which is just still so sad. And that play lives in your mind because it was a local game. I mean, a lot of Steeler fans in central Ohio anyway, yeah,
2: that was a Thursday night. was Yeah. Wasn't it? Thir- it was
1: a night. It was a primetime game, Cincinnati yeah. Bengals, of course. And he just went in there and that was, you know, I, I feel like I watched him just play the game that way a lot. Am I right in saying that? Like he would sometimes drop the head because he was that nasty edge type of player And he threw caution to the wind and the head was down and it just the hit happened at the the worst kind of spot in the worst kind of way. And you just you never can think that that's going to happen to you. But he had 41 starts for the Steelers. He had two hundred and ninety nine tackles in those forty one starts. That's an impressive clip because he didn't have a full 16 games logged in any of his first four seasons with the Pittsburgh Steelers, but the numbers that he racked up in a cow in a Buckeye uniform. I mean, it's unbelievable, man. It Three is. seasons, 317 tackles. He was heading towards Chris Spielman land. You he know, was. he put he really the time was. in.
2: He really was. I mean, just anytime you needed a play, he was a guy that you could count on. And I, I remember in the 2012 season, there were a lot of times where we needed a big defensive stop. And here comes Ryan Shazer.
1: So the other one that's definitely without a doubt on my team is your teammate who just played like his hair was on fire. And we talked about his interesting recruiting story as well and how Luke Fickle kind of stuck his neck out for him. And that's Darren Lee, who yep. just had a lot, brought a lot of sauce to the game too.
2: Darren is potentially the craziest human I know and i say that with all of the love in my heart that i can say <laughs> uh, but he was he was a reckless player and he was similar to ryan in the fact that he would go off script all the time but it, it typically ended well and he had the hardest job on the defense in my opinion because he was that walkout linebacker so he was playing over the number 3 receiver or he was you know splitting the difference between the number 2 receiver and the end men on the line of scrimmage a lot of times and there's a ton of space in college football when you talk about just, you know, how teams want to spread the the ball around the field. And he had a lot of area to cover. And whether it was covering somebody going deep, whether it was eliminating bubble routes so that the teams couldn't get the ball in the edge, or whether it was just coming in there on a blitz and blowing things up. He was able to cover so much ground in such a profound way that our our defense could not have worked in twenty fourteen and twenty fifteen without a guy like Darren Lee out yeah, there, yeah,
1: yeah. You are. You talk about like the bullet position, right? And a guy like a guy like Darren Lee kind of gives, you know, he he sort of makes way for that to be a thing with yep. what he could do. Yep. you're talking 27 tackles for a loss, 11 sacks, mm-hmm. three picks, mm-hmm. the forced fumbles, the fumble recoveries. He had mm-hmm. three touchdowns, sure, in all that. Absolutely. So we agree on those two. You pick the the, the third one here because we're gonna get our buddy Austin Ward on in the next segment.
2: Raquan McMillan, Uh, you got to go with the strong middle linebacker. We picked two guys that are more outside edge type of linebacker players, can play really well in space, but you need someone to hold it down the middle. Raquan McMillan was going to be the guy who could thump those inside interior linemen. He was going to be a guy who would do well in pass coverage, and he was going to be the heart and soul type of player on a defense, could lead the huddle, could do all the things that you expect a middle linebacker to do. Kind of a classic player in a lot of ways, just in the type... You know, just how he played the game, uh, but very modern in the way that he operated as well.
1: Strong consideration for a tough Borland type with all the captain nods that he pulled in. And again, you get those two talents on the outside, it's exactly what tough would need being that middle linebacker who could just handle his business and congrats to you for not picking yourself though i didn't uh, deserve it don't beat yourself up about it have a good nope. attitude about it it's all good all right? Listen,
2: I, I I look back on my career fondly
1: i i know you do you should all right another one of our guys is going to join us to talk buckeye football 50 days out from the opener austin ward from letterman row he's with us next it's the buckeye show on the fan
0: Breaking down all the sports goodies with a touch of class. Uh-huh. Act accordingly. Bishop and Laurinaitis.
4: Weekdays from 9 to noon.
0: The Fan. The home of Big Ten championships and future first-rounders. You're listening to The Buckeye Show.
1: Yes, you are. Timmy Hall and Joshua Perry tonight. And going back out to the Brian Heating and Cooling Products fan guest hotline, our good buddy Austin Ward from Letterman Row. Austin, it's been a while. Good to talk to you, man. How you doing?
5: Doing great. Ready for uh, media days next week, which means the training camp is coming right after that. Going to have some real football to talk about again.
1: Yeah, real football. 50 days out. I will. I, I just tweeted this out, and I gave our producer, Hayden, credit for this. He he decreed that today shall be touchdown day. And I said, I'm never good with this, uh, you know, looking at the date and coming up with you know tricky things to say about it. I'm always like the last guy in the room to understand it. You know what I mean? Like pie day. Like, wait, what? Like March fourth. 4- oh, I got it. Pi Day. So seven fourteen twenty-one. I mean powers of what I just tweeted, powers of seven. Numerical values that the Ohio State offense knows very, very well, right? What are your
5: thoughts? <laughs> As long as you make all the extra points, you're good
1: to go. <laughs> right. Blake Hobiel. Come on, baby. Just stick in between those uprights, and we're going to be fine. Hey, man, one of the things I saw you were writing about recently, and it is a pretty big topic, and we can start there, the, the emergence or how we're going to bring back the bullet position. You're looking at a guy mm-hmm. like Ryan Watts. We were just talking in the last segment, like what a, a guy like Darren Lee was doing five or six years ago. For this Buckeye defense, and sort of that type of player that can do anything, you need somebody to do. And I know you're circling Ryan Watts, and there's some other candidates for this defense that can do it. Do you think this is going to be a full-time approach and something they are really? I'm not not to say force, but something they know they're going to be able to roll out this season.
5: Yeah, and I I think they have to, Timmy. I mean, that's if you're going to play in this, uh, you know, more continuing. Modern, advancing age where offenses are creating mismatches, uh, the defenses have to be able to do the same thing. And you know, Darren Lee is kind of a hint of the kind of player that could come down the line. And I, when I watched Craig Young uh, earlier in the spring, I had a lot of flashbacks to you know the that Darren Lee had that spring practice when he goes out there in 2014. We're like we were not expecting this guy to be out there, but he earned it. And he got really big and fast in the off season. Uh, and then went out and made some plays happen that were really important. I think Craig Young can do that. I think Court Williams can do that. And then you have get, you're going to find some flexibility with some other guys. Maybe they're linebackers. Maybe they're bigger corners, um, you know, safeties that can do different things. Uh, Ronnie Hickman, they've got four or five that are all going to be part of this. And I think that if you're, if you're going to be able to both stop the run uh, and defend the pass down the field, you need some of these really flexible athletes.
2: I definitely agree with that, and it's unique just kind of watching how the game has evolved because the quarterback position is so important. You need somebody who can be a threat at all different levels, so this bullet position will definitely be unique. Austin, this is a time of the year where we do a lot of speculating, and for the Buckeyes, I think a lot of it is positive. You know, We talk about expectations as we head toward the season, what we think the season should look like, college football, playoff run, all those different things, but I want to get from you what you think the biggest concern for the Buckeyes will be this year.
5: Yeah, I mean, I'd stay right in that same spot. And I don't know that it's fair when a team has got so many four and five star recruits at every every position, every unit to consider it a concern. But when you lose a position you might know pretty well, four senior linebackers, your top four tacklers from guys who've been starting for multiple seasons, that's not going to be easy easy to replace. The game reps are what elevated you know those four guys over the last couple of years, and you just, they're hard to replace. You know, being on a practice field in last year didn't help because they were so rarely on a practice field. Like Taraja Mitchell and Dallas Gantt are very good players. Uh, I think, you know, you're looking at uh, Cody Simon, some others. I mean, he's big and reminds me a a little bit of Joshua Perry physically. He's going to be out there. uh, But you just don't know. So they're the most uncertain group. But I don't know that I would say, you know, that Ohio State – it has to be concerned about it. I mean, I think they're going to be okay, but that's the spot you look at and you, if you're any anywhere on the roster, like, all right. What's going to happen at linebacker? I really don't know. That's going to have to play out in August.
1: Austin Ward from Letterman Road joining us here on the Buckeye Show. One of the other, uh, one of the other guys I wanted to talk to you about. You know, a lot of. Uh, we do a lot of talking about Kerry Combs and rightfully so. Like When he's leading that defense, it's going to be his job ultimately to get it right here in 2021. You'd like to think that you, you probably can't win a national championship if your defensive numbers look anything like they did last year. We know it was a pandemic-shortened season, but it just can't be like yeah. that. What What have you been told or what have you come to find out about Matt Barnes and his new role mm-hmm. and how that's fitting in? Because we talk about the secondary and that's one of his spots now and that's where a lot of the improvements need to be made.
5: Yeah, I know for I know for a fact that Kerry Combs is, is not just going to walk away and, and wipe his hands clean of dealing with the secondary. He loves it too much. He's too. Uh, he's been coaching cornerbacks at a high level for so long. So that'll still be a collaborative effort, even if he is uh, maybe allowed to take a more big picture look. But the thing that uh, should tell anybody in Columbus how much Ryan Day believes in Matt Barnes is that he had an opportunity. Uh, to you know, fill a spot on the coaching staff. Uh, if he thought that there was any you know issue with letting Kerry Combs leave it when Greg Madison retired, there was an opportunity there. Well, he didn't feel the need to look anywhere outside of the program, and elevated Matt Barnes, and then brought along Parker Fleming uh, as well to handle the special teams and and catch all with some other you know other stuff on that full time staff. So, I mean, Matt Barnes is a a very sharp guy, and I, I would say the same thing for Parker Fleming, and that. That's why Ryan Day, did, when he looked at last year and, and you see the numbers, Tim, you mentioned them, obviously they don't look good. It is important to keep in mind the context of what caused them. Uh, people often accuse me of making excuses for that for Ohio State. It's not. I think that that's just an explanation. Um, and that, so Ryan Day looked at that, said, doesn't need to make sweeping changes, believes in Kerry Combs, believes in Matt Barnes, believes in Parker Fleming. Uh, and then if you gave them a normal year of development with Mickey Marathi, a normal spring camp, a normal training camp, that the results will follow. Um, and I'm not going to bet against any of those guys.
1: Hey, it's nothing like your excuses out on the golf course. I wouldn't even put it in that realm, no. right?
5: <laughs> well, I mean, that's just an explanation, too. Um, uh, <laughs> you, you got to put everything in context that sometimes... You're just not as good as you used to be.
1: Hey, I'm a, I'm a big excuse guy, okay? I sign off on lots of different excuses. There's got to be a reason for me not winning at every single thing.
5: <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, I would put it at a different level. The, the confidence that Ryan Day has in Matt Barnes is much higher than the confidence I have in my golf game right now.
2: There you go. And side note, I think Parker Fleming is going to be an all-star coach. He's fantastic. Uh, It was great to work around him when I was at Ohio State. So I want to hit you with something a little bit lighter. We're having a conversation about uh, some of the previous coaches we've had at Ohio State and the current coach that we have and, and how all all of them have done such a great job, but they were so unique and different with their personalities mm. and their style. So you have the opportunity to build your perfect coach and you have to take mm. qualities from Jim Trestle, from Urban Meyer, and from Ryan Day to do so. What qualities are you taking from whom?
5: Wow, uh, what a great question. I, I, I've never... You know this as well as anybody. I've never met uh, a coach at any level who has the ability to focus on one thing with maniacal intensity the way that Urban Meyer did. And and sometimes that could be to his detriment, but it was often uh, to his great benefit as a champion uh, and and raising the level of play of those around him. So you want to have that. I think if you're a coach, when you're in that work, uh, that you can attack it. um, Just, you know, four to six A to B, as you would say, uh, with relentless uh, effort and passion and ten- intensity. But I think you also need a little bit of that off switch. And I think Ryan Day has that, that ability to balance it uh, maybe better than Urban did. And, and I think that helps that the, the mood in the Woody. Uh, I think everybody who's been around there can attest that it's, it's maybe more fun to be around there. You don't walk on, on eggshells quite as much, a little bit more of a, a family vibe. Again, this is not to say one is better than the other, but it's just different. Uh, and then, you know, Jim Trestle just had uh, a way about him of remembering every single detail that could ever come up or whether it was uh, any any recruits' uh, girlfriends or parents' names or what, what might be on the play sheet for fourth and one. Uh, an incredible memory. I think it seems kind of weird to, that I would start with those three things, man, but uh, those are what immediately comes to mind because I think that they go – a long way towards helping you do everything else
1: man it 's like creating your your perfect avenger or something like that, <laughs> Taking the super it 's like the Ryan Reynolds character from the one x men movie. It was just all of them combined into one lethal weapon that is a great question joshua that 's a good place to finish austin i can 't wait until uh, like you said, we get closer to football we get those get the meaty days coming up then we 'll have Actual quotes, actual football players and coaches say, telling us things about their teams and giving us updates on health situations and things of that nature. So it's, it's going to be here before we know it. We look forward to it. Always appreciate the time, my man.
5: All right, take it easy, guys.
1: There he goes, Austin Ward from Letterman Row. You can uh, check that fella out there. we got to finish up with our... Starting defense, the all-Urban Meyer team, the safeties in the corners. Kind of a a tough spot because there's some options, especially at corner. There are some options to go with. And then we'll hit you with some of the best of the Buckeyes on the social front with hashtag Buckeyes. It's next. It's the Buckeyes show on the fan.
0: Winners of the prestigious Platinum Microphone Award every year, given to the best radio station in the world. Uh, No need to look it up. It's real. The fan. (laughs) Social media can be a cesspool. Allow us to navigate the waters. Hashtag
1: Buckeyes. Sponsored by Mobile Center,
4: part of the 5GT mobile
1: network. All right, coming down the home stretch, we're going to give you our safeties and our two corners in just a minute, looking at some of the, uh, the tweets out there or the grams. Joshua, I've got one from PFF College again the uh, pro football focus college version, taking some heat ever since that Ryan Day coaches list. But hey, they got this one right. This is just simply looking up facts. Most defensive backs drafted in the first round since 2000. Number one, Ohio State with 13. Miami second at nine. Bama and Florida tied for third at seven. 13 DBs drafted in the first round the last two decades. That's the most In the entire country.
2: Yeah, that's why this last category is going to be a little bit difficult for us, huh? It
1: is going to be tough. It is. You got any uh, tweets or grams you're looking at or do you want to get back to business?
2: No, I'll get you one real quick. So Brent Venables, who people would know as the defensive coordinator for Clemson, just uh, re-signed a deal. I think it locks him in through like 2026 or whatever the case is. Two and a half million dollars a year. And I am convinced (laughs) that this man has no desire to be a college football head coach. No, that and would who, do it, what, right? Yeah, and, and who could blame him? You're getting $2.5 a, a year to coordinate the defense of one of the best schools in the nation. I wouldn't want to be a head coach either.
1: I don't think I would. What happens, though... When Dabo's got to go.
2: That's that's when it's your time. It's, it's either you go where Dabo goes, or if Dabo doesn't retire at Clemson, that's when you got to take the leap.
1: Because, I mean, some people, I think, have good awareness about what their skill set is.
2: Well, Luke Fickle, he hung around for a long time before he got that right job. So,
1: Yeah, he did. He just waited and waited and pounced, and it's credit to him. Because I don't think Cincinnati is the easiest job in America to do what he's doing. Not in the not with the big conference behind him and look at the success that he's had. It's amazing. So I, I wanna I'm gonna guess that as we finish up our all urban Meyer starting eleven on defense, that the safeties are going to be a lot easier than the cornerbacks. Am I right in assuming that? Because my safeties are without a doubt going to be Von Bell and Malik Hooker. What about yours?
2: Uh, same thing I had. Von Bell, yeah. Malik Hooker. I, I I don't think that was much of a, a deal. I, I went back and forth a little bit on Jordan Fuller, and I think that he was probably the most consistent player that I had seen in Scarlet and Gray from you know, basically two thousand twelve up until. Um and so he got some consideration based off of that, but the talent of those two guys I think is overwhelming. Got your guy Tyvus
1: Powell also back love there. Tyvus.
2: Yeah, Tivus was clutch. Absolutely. You, you think about a couple of plays that he made. He had the interception at the end of the Sugar Bowl against Alabama, and he had the interception on Wouldn't the two-point conversion. Well, no, and he should have, and we've had extensive conversations about that. He believes that the right thing to do is to try to return it. I told him, go down, it's the end of the game. We will forever disagree on that. We have that conversation maybe once a month. Um, and then he had that interception on the two-point conversion against Michigan 2013 to seal the deal there. So big-time Tyvas. So let's hear your cornerbacks, man. Woo, Denzel Ward... Marshawn Lattimore. Denzel
1: and Marshawn Lattimore. See, yeah. there's like four or five options I think you can go with
2: here. Yeah. Do you with like a CBs? Gary Young Conley? Do right. you like a Damon Arnett? What do you about like a an Damon Eli Arnett? Apple? Yeah. Damon Arnett. Could you Arnett? throw it
1: back to a Bradley Roby? You know what? I got Bradley Roby is going to be one of mine. There you go. He is going to be one of mine. And. Uh, we share with Denzel Ward, but I I think Bradley Roby. You go back earlier in the Urban Meyer era. I think the the guy that he's proven to be, he was a stud, man. He was a stud. And you also talk about being sort of the first one in that long line now that has just become a massive just train of success for Buckeye 31st cornerbacks, overall. right? Yeah, he was he slipped into the first round, so he's one of those guys that that PFF tweet was talking about. This dude had eight interceptions, sprinkled throughout his three seasons. He was just locked down, too. Yeah, he was. Absolutely locked down when he was out there. A more than willing tackler. Somebody that could go and blow up a play in the backfield, right? I think he had, he had several tackles for a loss. He had 178 tackles, and looking him up here. and uh, You know, Denzel Ward, if for nothing else, for this.
0: Gordon Schlager to the sideline, call first down.
2: doggies it was one of my favorites hurt my feelings
1: oh boy so there we go that was fun and by the way just got to tell you we here at the buckeye show always sponsored by our friends at moo moo express car wash that's the home of the unlimited wash club uh, i didn't we didn't bump them we didn't bump them so next week i can't wait to talk to either chris or jason priestess for a little crosstalk. just didn't want to eat into too much of their time so if they're listening, so you bumped them. I didn't. I didn't say that. I didn't bump them. You, but you bumped
2: them. You don't. You don't try to them. massage it. You bumped. Okay. Them. All right. Well, I'll take that. <laughs>
1: yeah, I don't know if they're listening in, but hopefully they will uh, allow that because we were trying to. I'll get put a nasty together message. From yeah, Chris here in a sec. It's gu- it's going to happen. Yep. What we're doing right now. What I'm doing right now is just making it worse by opening the door for comments to be made. And you know what? I appreciate that. I'll allow it so maybe in the first couple of minutes they uh, can take some shots back at us. But uh, you will not want to go anywhere. Tremendous show they've got coming up. A lot of good things. A lot of things to talk about here in Buckeye Country. So we keep going. It's programming so good we might not even deserve it. But we get an extra hour of Buckeye Talk. And after that, it's not you'll see, is it? We have a little... uh, nba playoffs action coming up you'll see yes you do <laughs> hayden has no idea what's going on back there yeah got basketball yeah got basketball. basketball i think it was the one that programmed it last week and then i forgot about it but that's happening everybody have a tremendous night joshua thank you so much can't wait to do it again tomorrow at 6 11 warriors radio hour next up on the fan What's the best way
0: to scare your kids into submission? By blasting morning juice through the speakers. You're welcome. Morning juice. Weekdays at 6. The Fan.